you, Chancellor Choir, so much for the beautiful anthem this morning. Thank you for um, leading us in the joy of song. We are so thankful for all of the great songs that God has given us. And at the end of the day, doesn't the message of all of them come back to that truth we just heard? God is so good. He is so good. He is so good to all of us. And now we are going to tap in to the goodness of God as proclaimed in his word through this message in Genesis today. As we prepare to hear his voice, friends, let us once again go before him in prayer. And now, O oh Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we do not hear your voice, O oh God, we pray that you would come in your own special way and speak to each of us here in the quietness of our hearts. Amen. Today we are in, back in, as I've shared with you before, um, such a wonderful book to share in, the book of Genesis. There are so many stories, so many uh, different accounts of what it is to be human, what it is to be human together, and what it is to be made in the image of God, knowing that we are human and we are human together because God first created us and called us very good. But before we jump into today's passage, I do just want to extend a special thank you to Tommy Bryan for bringing the message last week. And in full confession to all of you, I have not listened to the service last week when I'm on vacation. It's full stop vacation. I, 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 did, not, I did not tune in last week, but I am looking forward to hearing um, this, uh, listening to it this afternoon and worshiping with you from last week this afternoon. And so anything that I say that Tommy said last week, just know it's the Holy Spirit, and it was not us coordinating in any sort of way. Um, but I am so grateful uh, to him uh, and for everyone who uh, filled in while I was gone, and I am so thankful to be back with you today as we embark on a passage that um, is so timely. I think it's, uh, it's timely, and the message is also timeless for us in the story of Joseph and his brothers. And that is a message of letting go. And you may be thinking, well, preacher, what are we letting go of today? Well, first, before we talk about what we're going to let go of, let's talk about that famous phrase, let go and let God. How many of you like that phrase, let go and let God? It's a great statement, isn't it? Let go and let God. Is it an easy statement to actually live out sometimes, though? Letting go and letting God. I think a lot, of, and I'm the same way with you. I love the statement. I love the sentiment. I try to live into it. But letting go and letting God is something that you can't just flip like a light switch and say, okay, I've let go. I've let God. Everything's going to be great now. Everything's going to be the way that I envisioned it being. Everything's going to be in my version of perfect. Friends, it's not like that. This script, this Bible that we study week after week, that you study day after day, is full of reminders that everything in Jesus takes time. And that everything God is doing in us and with us takes a lifetime. He is constantly working in us. He is constantly doing his work and his will through us. And, sometime, and it's always on his time frame and not always on ours. And this idea of letting go and letting God is something that we can't just change overnight. But it's a change that God brings about with us, in us, and within us as we follow him. And we get to a passage today that is, like I said, chapter 45 of Genesis. A whole lot has happened before here. And we encounter this leader named Joseph. 
and Joseph, this is a big moment in Joseph's life, but let's catch up to what, where Joseph is and what it is he's letting go of today that we need to learn from. Joseph, when he was a teenager, was sold by his brothers into slavery into the land of Egypt. So imagine this for a moment. A teenager, 16 or 17 years old, and he is betrayed by his brothers. First, they throw him into a well. He thinks he's going to die. They take him out. They sell him to, as a slave. So not only does he become a slave, he is taken to a place where he does not know the language. He does not know the culture. He does not understand anything that is going on around him. He is being forced into labor that he has no say over. And this is where he is. This is where Joseph is trapped. And then... As if it couldn't get any worse, he is, um, he is working, for, he, he does get a job working for a very prominent man, and that, and, but then that man's wife betrays him and sets him up and deceives him, and Joseph ends up in jail for something he did not do. And he spends years and years in jail, and just when he has an opportunity to get out and he shares something with someone, and he interprets a dream, and he gets this chance to get out, the person who gets out forgets about Joseph and he has to stay in jail even longer. But then in the midst of all of that one bad thing after another bad thing seeming to happen to Joseph, one thing was for sure. Joseph remembered the God of his father, Jacob. Jacob is a familiar name, isn't it? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Yes, Joseph is Abraham's great-grandson, Isaac's grandson, Jacob's son. And so Joseph had from his childhood that foundation and that upbringing that, that the God of his fathers and his forefathers was the God who traveled with him. And he knew that God was with him through all of this. And he trusted God. He listened to God. He had gifts from God that he cultivated in that time. And so while he, while he is in jail, he does get the chance to get out. And not only that, he is an interpreter of dreams. And the, and the Pharaoh is so impressed with Joseph's gifts and sees that God is with Joseph, even if he can't quite describe that, that he promotes him to a position of leadership. And Joseph just continues to lead in the government of Egypt. He continues to climb this ladder. He has got these tremendous leadership skills. And God blesses him. God honors him. God brings him to a, this place where he is. But then a famine strikes the land, and a bunch of people start coming into Egypt uh, for, uh, for respite. And wouldn't you know, Joseph's brothers, the ones who had betrayed him, the ones who had spat upon him, the ones who had turned their back on him, they show up in need in Egypt. They don't recognize Joseph, but Joseph recognizes them. And this is just a few chapters before today. And Joseph begins to wrestle with, how do I handle this? And I bring up that detail because today we could easily start at verse, four, at verse 1 of chapter 45 and say, well, Joseph just had it all together. I mean, his brothers showed up and he forgave them and he tells them that he's going to take care of them. And he cries and he releases all of, uh, all of these emotions that he's had pent up. But friends, this didn't happen overnight. Joseph did not reach this place of such forgiveness and such letting go and letting God overnight. No, it took time. It took effort. It took a lot of communion with the God who was with him. And when he gets to this place, he, is, he, is, he has rehearsed this. He has likely gone over how was he going to handle when his brothers came back because they left town and then came back again. He knew he would see them. And there are two things that happen here with Joseph that we can learn from because we are going, because all of us at some point in life and maybe even today are going through these. Joseph was dealing with tremendous grief and Joseph was dealing with tremendous hurt. Those two usually go 
hand in hand with each other. When you've got hurt, you've got grief. When you've got grief, you've got hurt. Joseph is dealing with those things, and he has been over the years learning how to let them go in terms of not letting them have control over him. Joseph is learning to let go of those things. And so when his brothers come in, we hear in verse 1, he sends everybody away. It says in verse 1, Joseph could no longer control himself before all those who stood by him. And he said, send everyone away from me. No one stayed when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. In verse 2, we hear, Joseph wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers in verse 3, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. So dismayed were they at his presence. Another translation of that word dismayed is dumbfounded or speechless. Yeah, probably so, given the fact that they thought this brother of theirs had died years ago, and here he is in charge of their fate all of the sudden, basically. But Joseph totally lets himself go at this point. The grief pours out. The emotions pour out. And he has had these moments of grief that we see throughout, uh, throughout Genesis. But here in this moment, there's a tremendous release that Joseph experiences as he begins to speak to his brothers. And we can all learn from this that there is a way that, that when we are going through grief, that there are, there's a gradual letting go that happens. And we, also, and we often tend to think, well, when we're going through grief, there's an end to that, but sometimes there is an end, and sometimes we feel like there's an ending or, or closure of some sort, but that's not always the case. Grief can go on for a long time. It changes over time, but Joseph demonstrates for us here that there comes a time when we realize that this much, that we, that, that, that we have to let go of that which is trying to control us, and he is letting everything go. He is revealing, he is speaking the truth about who he is, and in doing so, He's letting God receive the glory for what it is that he is about to share. So we have Joseph's grief that he's been dealing with, but then we also have what takes up the majority of this passage. That was just the, the first three verses that were talking about his grief, and we've, we've done sermon series on grief before. I would encourage you to go back and listen to those in more detail, but I wanted to bring that up because Joseph is experiencing this grief. He's having this release. He's letting go, and he's letting God but then there is the other side, the, the, the bigger story that's happening here. He brings his brothers closer. He reveals to them, I am your brother Joseph. And he says in verse 5, this is so huge, Do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Joseph immediately here is showing what has happened as he has learned to practice forgiveness over time, as he has learned to slowly let go and to release. He has been able over all of these years to see that the hurt that was done to him, the offense that was made against him, that it was, not for, that it was evil, that it was bad, it was intended for harm, but he has been able over the years to say, Lord, I need your help in moving through this. I need your help to deal with what I'm dealing with so that I can be who you desire me to be. Once again, he is not letting the hurt control him. He's not letting the anger control him. And he's saying that to his brothers. Well, he's saying, I'm set you, I set you free. I release you from any anger or distress. Do not be afraid of me because God is working in the midst of this. And he goes on to give this beautiful description of everything that, that, that has transpired and why, and he said, God has placed me here for a purpose and this is why I'm here and these are the next steps that you need to take so that I can take care of you. And we can look at this easily, friends, and get down on ourselves and say, 
well, goodness, Joseph did this. When I'm struggling with forgiveness, when I'm struggling with a hurt of some sort, why can't I just let it go like Joseph did? Well, that's because, friends, Joseph has been, had been letting go over time. Forgiveness, I should say this, walking out forgiveness takes time. Walking out freedom from, from the bondage of unforgiveness takes time. And, friends, God is so gentle. God is so merciful. God is so patient with us in that gradual letting go that we, that we have to experience. Joseph, no doubt, had to, over those years, let go of the resentment, let go of the hurt, let go of the anger and everything. And he still may have been struggling with it, even as he is saying all of this. But he knew what was most important and what helped him to live into that forgiveness was to look at the bigger picture of what God was doing and not to be consumed by or controlled by what was happening to him, what was happening to him in that moment. He was learning how to live into that forgiveness. When Jesus spoke about forgiveness, and he spoke about it many times in the Gospels, do you know one of the first times we hear Jesus talk about forgiveness is when he teaches the disciples the Lord's Prayer. It's a prayer we say all the time. Do you know why Jesus included? Forgive us as we forgive those who have sinned against us. It's because we need to pray it all the time. It's because it, we not only need to be forgiven, we have to extend we have to extend forgiveness to each other. And, G and when Jesus' disciples asked him, Well, Lord, how many times should I forgive somebody who has wronged me? Jesus says, Seventy times, seven times you should forgive them. And what Jesus is saying there is, You do this over and over again. But here's the key, friends. This is another thing that we tend to go, that where we tend to get off track. It would be easy for us to look at this story and to think about that phrase, forgive and forget. We've heard that phrase before, haven't we? Forgive and forget. I am not a fan of that phrase at all because I would I'd rather just stop it at forgive, forgiveness. That is what Jesus tells us to do. Forgive and let him take care of the rest. Let him work out the rest through us and in us. So often when, some, when, uh, when we feel like something is done, that when, we, when we're dealing with a hurt, when we're dealing with, when, with an offense, and we forgive, we think, okay, I've got to forget about this and move on and act like nothing happened. Or I want to just forgive and move on and try to get back to the way things used to be. Friends, let me invite you to think of that a little differently. And not to try to get back to the way things used to be, but to the way God intends them to be because sometimes we are because sometimes we when dealing with forgiveness especially a hurt that's been done from another person that relationship may not ever be the same again that friendship may not look the same as it did before when there has been a hurt and when forgiveness needs to take place there might be a restoration of the relationship but that relationship may look different as well we immediately jesus te teaches us we should always we should always forgive we should always have the intention of forgiveness but then he has to help us walk through what that forgiveness looks like. That letting go of the anxiety, letting go of the anger, letting go of the hurt. Everything that Joseph tells his brothers here, notice he does not get caught up in what his brothers had done to him. Instead, it's all about this is how we move forward. This is what forgiveness looks like for us moving forward. This is what grief looks like for us moving forward forward from here and it takes one gradual step at a time so i would encourage you today friends if you are struggling with this if you're struggling with letting go be it in grief or be it in uh, or be it in forgiveness 
to remember that Jesus is doing a gradual work. That you, that yes, we are called to forgive. Lord, I forgive, I forgive. Now work out that forgiveness in me. And it takes place slowly. It takes place with time. And we turn out better than we were before, like Joseph. Things turn out better than they could have been, like Joseph, as we follow the leading of the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Joseph, and the God of each and every one of us. This is my third time to mention to you today that I went on vacation last week, and it will not be the last, uh, maybe the last today. But I did want to share with you a story from when, I was gone, uh, from when I was gone last week because I was visiting my sister and her family. My niece is 12 years old. She'll be 13 in a few months. And when I was there, uh, when I was there with her, I learned very quickly that she likes to be on the go, that she likes to be active, that she likes to be doing something. And we had a great time going, and I was pretty much at her bidding. Whatever she wanted to do, we did. And so one afternoon, actually it was my last, full af my last afternoon there, we had some time free, and I said, well, what do you want to do this afternoon? And so we went online, and we were looking, and she said, let's go to a trampoline park. And she named it, and I said, okay, I haven't been on a trampoline since I was your age, but, you know, we'll, we'll go with it. That, that works. So we go, and friends, just so you know, I've never been in a trampoline park, so I was imagining it was just a room full of trampolines. Oh, it is so much more than that. There are obstacle courses. There are, this is not like that trampoline that I had in my backyard growing up where the only safety feature was mom saying don't fall off of it. These trampolines were everywhere. And I got there and I was like, okay, great. She can jump around and burn off some of this energy and I'll stand over there with the other and, and pretend that I'm her mom, you know, with the other moms and just watch her bounce around. But then we got up to buy our tickets and uh, they gave me some socks, these fancy socks that I was supposed to wear on the trampolines. And, then we were uh, getting our shoes off, and my niece said, you need to get a locker for your purse. You can't take your purse up there. And I said, well, of course, the, the, other, the moms have their purses. And she said, well, they're not jumping. And I realized, oh, I, she's expecting me to jump with her. So I, I put the purse away. And then she said, well, you're going to need some water. And so I got the water. So everything I, everything I had, every way that I thought that this was going to go, it wasn't going that way. And then we get into the area of the trampolines, and I think, well, I'll just stand here. Well, no, that didn't work. She wanted me to bounce on the trampolines with her. And it wasn't just a simple trampoline. We got done with one area, and then she said, okay, we've got to go to this one now, and then we've got to go to that one. And wouldn't you know, the very last thing at the end was this enormous slide. And I was so excited because the slide was closed when we got there. I thought, great, we don't have to do that. And so every single part of this afternoon was me having to push myself beyond what I wanted to do because I wanted to just sit on the sidelines and watch her have fun. That was all I wanted to do. I just wanted to sit there and watch her bounce around. But she was saying to me, but no, I want you to have fun with me. I want you to bounce with me. And that required me first letting go of my hesitancy to wear the shoes, my hesitancy to get uh, to uh, uh, to put my purse away my hesitancy to get on the trampoline and then on the next set of trampolines and wouldn't you know when we got to the slide it had opened and i had to go face first down this slide and then you fly up into the air and you fall down onto this padded trampoline thing at the end and it was so worth it that sense of freedom at the end of flying through the air. Now she asked me to do it twice and I didn't do that, but there, I did go through it that one time and it, getting to the end, but it took one step at a time. It took a gradual letting go. Every single thing I wanted to say, no, sweetheart, you go, I'm tired, just let me sit down. 
just let me sit down and watch you. But she was saying, no, I want you to do this with me. And friends, that is a lot what I think it's like to live into and walk in forgiveness and to walk in the freedom of forgiveness. God doesn't want us to be sitting on the sidelines, holding back or, or, or being, uh, being weighed down. He wants for us to get out there and to jump. He wants us to experience the freedom he created us for. Joseph knew what that freedom was. He had found it because he put his eyes on, G on, on, on the Lord and not on his own circumstances. And that's what we have to do. And trust that Jesus is going to get us through what we need to. At the end of the passage, we hear, after he has, said, after he has shared everything with them of what he is going to do for them, it says that he fell upon his brother's neck and wept. He kissed his brothers, he wept upon them, and then they talked together. What a beautiful ending to this story, that they talked together. They wept together, and they talked together. Their relationship was never going to be again what it was when they were teenagers, but they did have something new and something wonderful that, that, that was possible here because Joseph kept on leaning into forgiveness. He kept on leaning into God's work and not his own. Here's the key, friends, as we finish today. We, just like I would never have gotten on those trampolines without a 12-year-old telling me to, we can't forgive without God's help. It's not something we can just decide I'm going to do and do it. No, we do make that decision. We make that choice to forgive. But then we let God do the work of walking in forgiveness, of living in freedom, and being everything and more that he designed us to be. So let us jump into this future unafraid, with him who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, our Lord Jesus, the one who forgives us now and forever.